0: What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. is a tired boy, Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone, Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky-ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir?
1: The week that was, Graham, what week was there in at Atlanta professional sports?
0: It was more of the same.
1: This is sad, sad state of affairs, minus being World Series champions. Of course. And some people out there... Sorry to just jump right into it, but I, I feel a certain mood today, Graham. I could tell. So I'm going to embrace it. All right. Get, uh, get fired up. Some people out there would like us to s- discuss the Georgia Bulldogs winning a national championship. Sure. Are we going to do that? Is today our national championship uh, episode? We can at
0: least mention it.
1: The, well, I, I guess this is us mentioning it. Yeah. Then, huh? Right. Did you get into that game, Graham? I watched the whole thing. Yeah.
0: I uh, didn't really get into it. I mean, I was I was, I was interested. It was a good game. Yeah. Um, you know, defensive struggle in the first half, but yeah, I watched the whole thing, and Georgia won, and I don't care. I mean, not- I'm happy for people who like Georgia, who are also big Atlanta sports fans. I cannot imagine, I used to be really a really big Georgia fan when I was a kid, so I can't imagine how great this feels. It really is a renaissance year for Georgia sports, with the Bulldogs and the Braves winning the World Series in the same sports season. Pretty insane.
1: Yeah, Atlanta's on the up and up. We could say that much, Graham. Like, we used to be, the whole city was cursed.
0: Yep, and so was Georgia.
1: That was the narrative. Um, Yeah, I guess the whole state in general. So, Braves getting it done, Georgia getting it done. Hopefully, good things coming for some of our other teams, but currently, I don't have a lot of optimism. No. I sat down Friday night, made a whole thing out of watching the Hawks-Lakers game. That was depressing. That was rough. And then on Sunday, this was even worse. While you were at the game, I had a double TV situation up here. With and the you were
0: and you weren't watching. Uh, were you watching another sporting event? No, I had the Hawks on one TV uh, and the Falcons on the other. Oh TV. yeah, because they were playing the Clippers. Yeah, right? and they were
1: just both boring as shit.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like our podcast the last few weeks talking yeah. about these terrible, mediocre teams. It's not well, really much else you can say. I was thinking about that on my drive over here. I was just like, what the, what the fuck are we even going to talk about?
1: I don't know, man. But should we figure it out? I guess. That's, that's a great setup. Yeah. Calling our show boring <laughs> and saying, what are we going to talk well, about? I'm just saying. It's just way, like... Way to keep the users just like glued in. Well, I would have I turned this one off I'm gonna, already.
0: I'm going to be honest and just be like, you know, it's... Uh, and I've heard actual media members say this before. You know, it is harder to cover the team. It's harder to get into your job when it's not working, when the team isn't good and there's not a lot to talk about except just pure mediocrity. Uh, John Collins summed it up really well in this uh, pretty – I wouldn't say it was a great article on The Athletic, but it was a decent um, decent interview between Chris Kirshner and John Collins. And he's oh,
1: yes. – Graham, sorry to interrupt. Before you get into the actual article uh, –
0: I was just going to make a point. We're going to cover the article later, but I was going to say John Collins pretty much sums up how we feel right now. Got it. Yeah. Um, When you win, it covers up a lot of shit. When you lose, it uncovers a lot of shit. When you lose, you want the situation to be fixed and figure out a way to handle it. But I know a lot of shit starts to eke out when you lose like we have. That's the type of shit that happens when you're losing. So lots of shit in there. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty much the, the big thing is when you win, it covers up a lot of shit. When you lose, it uncovers a lot of shit. And that's sort of where we're at, Adam. We've uncovered a lot of shit about these respective organizations, one that was expected to contend with the Hawks, the other that we knew was going to have a tough year with the Falcons. And there's really not much more to say except that, you know, it's just it, this, this is our lives right now as Atlanta professional sports fans. And um, it's been a tough road to hoe.
1: Are you at all concerned, Graham? Because I have nothing else to say about these Hawks and Falcons right now. Mm. We'll attempt to. Sure. But there's also, keep in mind, I've got a copy of the Los Angeles Times. Right. In front of me.
0: And you teased this last weekend.
1: For some great content later in the show. But you brought up The Athletic. Yeah. It's a big source of news information for us. Right. Correct? Yeah. In-depth articles. Sure. In-depth interviews. Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. Yeah. You concerned about them getting bought by the New York Times? No.
0: Not as, I mean, we'll see what happens.
1: They were great because they were independent. Sure. Now they're just part of the conglomerate. They're, they're basically the Los Angeles Times. I, I hope not. Hiring people like Dylan Handert, Dil, <laughs> Dylan Hernandez. Hiring people like Dylan Hernandez, Bill Plaschke. Right. I, I don't think so. I My, my hope is that
0: um, it seemed like when I read the article about the Athletic being bought, it seemed like um, you know the Athletic would stay in their lane. New York Times stays in their lane. But they're saying that now. Who knows what will happen in the long run. But I'm not too concerned yet. I haven't. And, the, and it's the, uh, the sale doesn't go through until May. So at least until May we'll still have quality uh, sports coverage and
1: hopefully beyond that as well. Quality coverage of our bad Hawks team. Right. Our terrible cap situation with the Falcons and our World Series champions who are currently in a lockout. Right. Does that get you fired up?
0: Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm ready to talk about some Atlanta sports.
1: All right. I'm bringing real, <laughs> I'm bringing real Graham vibes to the show today. You
0: are. You're, 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 you're the depressed one this All week. Right. Sorry,
1: Graham. I'll, I'll get over it. What about that
0: guy who said we're so negative? I guess that's what happens when you lose blow a Super Bowl <laughs> 20 was one of those reviews. That's a good point. They start honking at you, too, when you get negative at them. Is
1: that your car? That's your car.
0: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was just, uh, trying to shake it up a little bit, you know, um, sometimes you gotta get a joint of electricity going in the show, Adam.
1: All right, Graham. Well, let me hear about your fantastic experience at the most exhilarating stadium in the world, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I have to hear about oh, this.
0: Oh, yeah. So... This is your
1: third game this year, my right? My third
0: game this year. I was not... What it, a
1: psychopath. Did uh, you go to th- <laughs> th- Did you go to three games the, uh, the year we went to the Super Bowl?
0: I think I went to two. I went to a regular season game and the Seattle Seahawks wildcard game.
1: What were the other two games you went to this year? Uh,
0: I went to the Panthers. I saw the Panthers game uh, in Charlotte only because my uncle had tickets and invited me.
1: Okay, so one was only two at Mercedes-Benz. Yeah, and and,
0: and, and I only went to two of the three because... I was given free tickets. I got free tickets to go to the Panthers game. I got free tickets to go to the game on Sunday. And then there's
1: the Patriots. And then
0: I went to the Patriots game cuz Jared wanted to go and I was like, "Yeah, it will be fun to watch a game with Jared and uh, it wasn't." I mean, it was, but it wasn't cuz we lost 25 to nothing. Yeah. Um so yeah, I only went, voluntarily really went one time where I used my money to pay for tickets.
1: Sure. That 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 makes sense. It's it's still just funny that you know, the concept of going to a week 18 game when your team's already eliminated.
0: It's pretty silly, isn't it? It's I would <laughs> never pay for it. But our, our friends, Hannah and Andrew, uh, shout out to them. Uh, Andrew works with Mercedes Benz, uh, the Mercedes Benz Stadium. So he's like, I got some free tickets you guys. And they're great seats. Section 115 corner of the end zone. Fantastic seats. Uh, terrible game, as we all know. Um, but yeah, the experience was, um, it was okay. I mean, we had some good. Good Falcons fans around us, which I was very happy about because I was I was worried that I was going to be around a bunch of Saints fans. There were some Saints fans to the right of me, but right behind me, there were a lot of Falcons fans, and uh, but they were pretty quiet. But I could tell they could get rowdy if it was a good game.
1: Well, yeah, they they're probably all season ticket holders who have been just beaten down. Well, the last like three years. Oh like, yeah, they get the PSLs, and then the team immediately goes to shit for three years. Right,
0: um, but it was funny too. It was like uh, we had. It was like the second quarter and it was a first down play, you know, it was a it was a run that went nowhere. Second down incompletion because Matt Ryan was under duress. Or no, second down was like a 2-yard pass to like Russell Gage or something and this guy behind me was like, "Man, we all, you know, it's always third and long. Every single drive, third and long." And then I turned around and said to him, I was like, we should just start third and long. Start third and ten, third and eight, and just see if we can. You know, we only need one play to see if we're going to make it or not. And they're like, ah, ha, ha. and then they laugh. They're like, you know, good-natured, self-deprecating Falcons fans. Sure. Um you got to be. Yeah, they made some noise when good things happened, and then they're pretty quiet though throughout. And I would say that was kind of the vibe in the stadium. I mean, third down. You know, when you're supposed to get really loud, hardly anybody was yelling or, or screaming or doing anything. I would say that the Environment of the Panthers Stadium, the Bank of America Stadium, was better than the uh, Mercedes Benz Stadium. So let's, on that
1: day, let's dive into that. What yeah. what is that? Because the the Panthers, they've got you know we've got this billion dollar stadium. Yeah, that probably not a billion dollars, is it? No, it was like two point four billion dollars. Okay, yeah, there we go. We got a billion dollar stadium, At least world class. Uh, we've got a team that is. Arguably had more success over the last 15 years than the Panthers. I would say so. Uh,
0: well, they've been to two Super Bowls, we have been to one. But I would say generally we're usually more competitive during Matt Ryan's better years.
1: I think we have a brighter future than the Panthers for where we are now versus where they are.
0: I'd say coaching, yeah, and uh, general manager.
1: Yeah, we, we've already started the fresh start.
0: Somewhat. We, we, don't, <laughs> we, we don't want to pull off the Band-Aid at him. We want to keep guys like Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, and Matt Ryan around when we have no chance to win. We we, we we don't want a fresh start around here. but anyway, I see your point
1: but yeah the the major point is what is it about why can Charlotte fans get more excited at a football game than Atlanta fans?
0: I think well context is key here also because at that point you know we were both still alive in the playoff race. the Falcons were dead in the water in the playoff race by the time this game started. So I think that's a, that's a big thing um, but other than that, I don't know. I mean, it it was interesting. You know, the people we sat with for the Panthers game. There was one Falcons fan, like that was around, that was near us. That was cool to talk to. But like everybody was really into the game and talking about the game. The Panthers fans, like they were hard, like really hardcore. Um, every time they flash, keep pounding up on the the screen. They would pound their seats and stand up and pound their seats, and they were they were into it. I mean, it wasn't like the most raucous stadium I've ever been in. They only really got into it on third down or if Cam Newton did anything. But they were engaged. When you go to a Falcons game, both times I went to Mercedes-Benz this year, no one's talking about the game. It seems like everyone's just sitting there silently, holding their hands over their lap and just waiting for the torture it's to like end. A- <laughs> and, and, you know... I every mean, once in a while, I would talk to the guys behind us, or you know, Alexa would talk, and you know, I would try to yell nearly every defensive play to try and get in Taysom Hill's head, but it's just me yelling pretty much. So it's like whatever.
1: You think the problem is? It's because games are on Sunday, and people think they're at church.
0: No, I, I, I think it's just you know, it's just been beaten into us after all these years that we have a very mediocre organization. There's not, there's just no life or energy. Now there, there are some fans that you know, the the fans section. That they started this year it was like nine hundred dollars for season tickets or whatever, which was actually on the opposite side in the other corner of the end zone. They were into the whole game. They were like united fans. They were waving flags and stuff. But they're they're like they're they are literally given discounted, really good tickets to go make a lot of noise.
1: Yeah, they're basically employees.
0: Yeah, like only time there was really a lot of noise was when we went for a fourth down and didn't make it, and we scored a touchdown. Quadri Allison scored a touchdown in the the second half, and that was really. It. Even on third down, when it's like, it's third down, it was like, yeah. You know, it wasn't like, Rah! you know, like we've been to Georgia Dome games where people just go unbelievably ape shit.
1: Yeah.
0: I uh, never had that in Mercedes Benz Stadium, even when we had that team that wasn't great but still went to the playoffs. The one that lost to Philly was the first year at Mercedes Benz. I went to a game that year and it was still very much like ho hum uh, in there, even though we were, you know, going to make the playoffs and playing a division rival in that game, too. So it's like, I don't know man. I don't know. I think I think we're all just very tired.
1: I th- I think that the regardless of what the team's doing, the stadium and the marketing team just needs to mix things up. Yeah. I think our, our number one issue is there's a Chick-fil-A in there. And it's never open for Falcons games.
0: That's a big problem, Adam. That's very problematic yeah. in my eyes. Oh, you want to hear something? that's really- uh,
1: Replace that with an Arby's, for the love of God.
0: <laughs> so it can be open. Get an the Arby's day. in there, people would be fired oh, up. Oh, sure. Oh, here's the most depressing thing. I'm glad you were talking about crowd noise because I just thought about this. At halftime during my second double margarita, I was sitting there. And they had a flat Girls flag football. High school flag football. Um, young lady scores a touchdown. Loudest the stadium was all day. Wow. Yeah. People were into that shit, and half the stadium was, you know, taking a taking a leak or getting a drink or getting some food. I mean, so
1: that used to happen back in the day during like Hawks games when the Hawks were terrible, where the crowd was there, not really engaged during the game, but then Skyhawk comes out, right, and everyone just goes, loses and "The their Sky minds. Squad." I yeah. mean, that's that's exciting. Oh yeah, sure. It? So I mean, that's that that is natural. I mean, it's fair that the crowd is not going to be as excited for a terrible team.
0: Yeah, I mean that's sort of what it comes down to. But I think it's also just a matter of you know, just repeated mediocrity or terribleness that has just I think people are just really just exhausted by this franchise. Um I think that's that's the long and
1: short of it. I would like us to like still I mean I, and I, as I say this, I guess it's fair like I saw like the tailgating scene for the Giants mm-hmm. their last game and no one was there.
0: It's the same deal. Right. I think the only real teams that are like hardcore as shit are like Browns fans, no matter what, who are, you know, historically have been bad over the last like 25 years. Like Browns fans, Bills fans. I know the Bills are good this year, but the Bills in between their Super Bowl run and now have been terrible. Um, there's probably a couple other fan bases out there. Like the Steelers usually always show up, Ravens fans usually
1: show up. Cold cities.
0: Uh, yeah. Cold cities where there's nothing else to do. Um, Generally, that's been the case, or teams that have historic franchises um, that have a lot of success. You know, Lambo, you'll never see empty.
1: Well, they're all owners.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, well, they got to show up, right? Yeah. So, um, and they always have a good team. Yeah, that's also true. They're you're usually you're usually good, but it, I don't know. It, it was just I knew what was to expect. It's still depressing. Like, I mean, even I was kind of taken out of the game a little bit. Not just from the Falcons play, but just like I would try to be making noise on first and second down.
1: And no one's making noise around me. It's just like, well, I feel like an idiot. They're looking at looking back at you. Who's this psycho? Right, cheering. At and a then finally event. on third
0: down, I felt a little better when people start to make a little noise. But it's still like, man, whatever.
1: Well, yeah. So we lost this game. Yeah, right? we lost this game.
0: Yep. Oh. <laughs> it was. It was really. Depressing this one in particular because it was like it was a chance to knock the Saints out of the playoffs. Now the 49ers did that for them. But it would have been nice if we could have, you know, added to that uh misery and well. But it's pretty much Adam the same thing we've been seeing all year. But you know what? I would say this is something that's been bothering me, and I mentioned this last episode, I think. Cordell Patterson over the last like four or five games was not getting the touches. He had five touches in this game. Mike Davis out touched Cordell Patterson nine to five. I do not understand why we weren't trying to basically force-feed Corderell Patterson more. I don't know if he's got some injury thing going on. But really, it's been the last four or five games. You look at the, the box score, and even when you're watching the game, um, at least I'm noticing, it's like we just are not getting him the ball the way we were earlier in the season. Uh, I really don't understand it.
1: But you got to look at it, too, though. Like he, he really slowed down at the end of the season here.
0: I know, but he, I don't think he's getting the touches he was getting either.
1: But I, look he at wasn't
0: the, lining up at wide receiver um, as much either.
1: That's true. But, like, look at his rushing total. So, so the Saints, he only had four carries.
0: Yeah, so I'm saying he's not getting the attempts. 2.8
1: 2. average, 3.1 versus the Bills. Like, he couldn't yeah, get anything going against them. But
0: he's not getting the, the, the attempts, really. He's only getting, like, five, six, seven attempts. I think the last time he got more than, like, double-digit attempts was against San Francisco.
1: And he averaged... 1.6 yards. Yeah, it wasn't great. 18, yards. But 18 I, yards on 11 attempts? That's Yeah, that's not
0: great, but I would just be like, you know, find ways to get him involved because he's he, he has been a dynamic playmaker for us all year. Scored 11 touchdowns. You don't do that by accident, um, especially in the shitty offense. Like, figure
1: out a way to get the guy involved. Here's the good news, Graham. I feel like his terrible ending to the season made him a lot cheaper. To bring back. To bring back. Sure, maybe. Of which he's made abundantly clear he wants to come yes. back. So it's kind of, you know. Maybe that was the plan. Fontenot said, Hey Take it easy. Arthur. Let's uh, <laughs> stop beating this guy the rock right. so much. Well,
0: if that's the case then I guess it was Bring his value down. Somewhat genius, but
1: Yeah, when you got cap issues, you gotta be dirty a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You gotta get creative. I
0: reckon so. Um your boy Foyer had another good game, it was very, all over the field, thirteen tackles. I really liked what I saw from him. Uh Falcons actually had a goal line stand in this game too. Fourth and fourth down, um it's like fourth and two or something, and we stopped him near near the goal line, which was uh, pretty cool but once again the Russian uh, I don't I won't blame this game really on the defense even though we gave up 30 points and they gave up 146 yards to Kamara I really felt like um, this came down to the offense man the offense couldn't do anything once again it was like the same shit we see there's this expression Stephen King came up with same shit different day in the book uh, Dreamcatcher which isn't a great book but I've always loved that expression same shit different day applies to this Falcons team ad nauseam Matt Ryan once again under pressure all day, only throws for 216 yards. Um, no one gets open. Kyle Pitts was a shell of himself uh, from that hamstring injury he suffered in Buffalo. Couldn't get open, um, and it was just more of the same from the offense. Russell Gage had a nice day, but it was because he was force fed 13 targets. You know, nine catches, 126 yards, and a touchdown. Nothing, to, nothing. You know, I'm not taking anything away from him, but it was like, man, it was just he,
1: he, he was your only receiving option. Yeah. If if Pitts was injured. Yeah,
0: Zacchaeus had a nice third down catch. Hurst had one play where he had a nice... nice, And we didn't try to really get Hurst involved. The thing that really pissed me off... has been a disappointment. Yeah, but I think the thing that really pissed me off about this season, we know the interior of the offensive line sucks. We know Jake Matthews sucks. There's never... It feels like we hardly ever put an extra tight end in there to chip or an extra back to chip in two back sets. Do something to mitigate the pass rush that we're going to give up because we know we suck. Um, McGarry sucks. You know, it's like we, do, we don't We do make any adjustments to our offense, and we wind up throwing these two- or three-yard passes that go nowhere or they're incomplete. It's like this This offense really stagnated like hell. Um, I know we're missing a lot of pieces. I know the offensive line sucks, but, but there's never an, I felt like an adjustment that was made to counterbalance the detrimental effects that this offense possesses. And I was very upset watching it again in person. Just being like, Matt has no time. Why doesn't he have? Why don't we have a checkdown receiver for Matt on every single play? There's always people going downfield. Very rarely do we have a checkdown receiver. Mike Davis also fumbled the ball two times. Pissed me off. Um, the defense. I know I'm sort of just rambling. The defense was on the field too long, and I think that that really that really killed us. Well, I feel like three turnovers overall.
1: The Saints would have put up a lot more if it weren't for Taysom Hill. Getting hurt early in that game. Yeah,
0: he got hurt um, after he the got opening the Trevor
1: Simeon experience. Yeah, which isn't much of an experience. No, but he
0: threw for two touchdowns. He wasn't it wasn't terrible. Um,
1: he, he didn't kill him, but uh, yeah, the, the Mike Davis two fumbles. I know he had some post about how pissed off with himself he was. as the worst season of his career when you know he was expected to step up and right. You know that's not a good sign. I mean, to me, <laughs> that makes it seem like he's a guy who. Is a number two running back, which was all the speculation where bozos like me coming into the year are like, oh, this guy could. It looks like the next uh, Michael Turner. I mean, it's not a bad comparison when you think about it. just based off like the body type and coming off of being a second running back, but like we watched 17 games of this guy. Yeah. Did you see anything? Like every now and then he'd have like a 15 yard run and good.
0: Yeah. I think it was a combination of things for Mike Davis. I think it was like. Early in the year, he didn't really get as many opportunities. And then the offensive line is terrible at run blocking. Um, He had a couple of decent – when we went on that stretch where we could actually run the ball for, like, four games, he, he had a couple of good games. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone expected Mike Davis to be the savior. I know we thought maybe he could be a Michael Turner type, but we also have to consider the pieces around him. Not very good at uh, run blocking.
1: I need a more quadriolus into my life as well,
0: Graham. He, he kind of – You know, he sort of runs, I wouldn't say like shot out of a cannon, but he he provides a change of of pace. He seems to have better vision than Mike Davis, I'd say.
1: Who's that guy from a a few years ago? Uh, Was that Antoine Smith? Yeah. Where any time he would come in, it's like 40-yard run.
0: Right, yeah, like Allison's only run of the day. He couldn't be a
1: number one rusher.
0: Yeah, Allison's only run of the day I saw as I was coming back with my final drink of the evening. And uh, I was walking down the steps, and we were at like the 20 and handed off to him, and I was like, oh, my God, he's going to score. Uh, runs for 19, 20 yards for the touchdown. This is his only attempt of the day. Um, I need to see a lot of growth from Arthur Smith and the offensive uh, unit overall in terms of play calling. Uh, I know they're working with a shit hand, but you got to find a way to mitigate how bad your team is. There has to be something you can do. I just felt like the same game plan every week. That was just awful. Except With the exception of when we started pitching the ball, around the tackles. That seemed to work for three or four weeks. But other than that, I saw nothing from this offensive uh, brain trust that made me feel like I feel really great going into the future um, with this scheme. Now, maybe that will change when we actually have better personnel, but just the core of it, I did not like.
1: But overall,
0: season is over. Season is over.
1: And seven wins. Yeah. A lot more than you thought we would ever get. Went from four wins last year. You got to call it a success. I would
0: say overall it was a success. You're you're dealing. You know, I just know I just shit all over Arthur Smith and the uh, the the uh, the offensive unit um, and, and the offensive coordinators and everything. But it, yeah, I'd say it was a success overall because the effort was there. Even when they were were terrible, the players really tried the whole season. And we can't say the same for the, the team with Dan Quinn.
1: Yeah, that was not the case the past couple of years. Um, they they looked defeated.
0: Yeah. Now I would say. You know, Deion Jones uh, looked, again, like he was disinterested in this game when I did watch him. Um, there's a lot of issues on <laughs> defense, too. Steven means I watched him five straight plays. He had nothing. He got nowhere. He, he was not making an impact at all. Um, the Falcons finished, I think, out of, what, 17 sacks this season. Uh, the lowest, I think, in the NFL since they started tracking sacks for teams. JJ or TJ, (laughs) yeah, TJ Watt finished with more
1: sacks. Lowest of all time?
0: I think so, since they started tracking in
1: 17 games, too. Yeah. That's Uh, awesome. um,
0: TJ Watt had more sacks than than us. One guy. I think multiple people had more sacks than us. Who we could have drafted. Who we could have drafted over Tack McKinley. I would have drafted him solely off the pedigree, just being like it's JJ Watt's brother. Just draft the guy. But, you know, what do I know? Um, Yeah. Stephen Means looked awful. Yeah. trying to think of other people that disappointed me in this game and frankly it was the majority of them, so whatever. It's it's just gonna Well, you know another thing that was funny is, is watching Grady Jarrett get double and triple teamed on every play. And he even called this out um, a few weeks ago. There's a video of him mic'd up against the Lions where the Lions literally blocked him with three people. Like two plays in a row and he just goes up to he goes up to them after after one of the plays. He's like, damn ain't y'all gonna block anybody else? Good shit yeah yeah, he like respected that he yeah, he needed that that that, that uh, many people to to block him. But it just goes to show how bad the rest of the defensive line is,
1: yeah, and how good he is. I, I know I've kind of like last week I was squawking about how like. Maybe it's time to move on from Grady, but like you know if he goes to the Patriots, if he goes to the Packers. He'll become a beast again. He's going to put up ridiculous numbers. Oh yeah,
0: for sure. I mean, the talent's there. I mean, there were a couple of times he alone was getting pressure on either Simeon or um, Taysom Hill. He was getting in the backfield, and it just wasn't enough time. You know, the the, he, the the skills are all there. It's just the surrounding components are terrible.
1: Although, yeah, at this point, though, if you can get a couple players back for him, you know, we're not getting to the quarterback anyway. Yeah, you what move if, on to him being there with a bunch of terrible bodies. How's that and, better than? Like you know, yes, just getting more draft assets. Thank whatever. you. Whatever. That's
0: what I feel like. That's what we have to do. Yeah. with Matt Ryan, Gray, Jarrett, Deion Jones, move them. They're not doing anybody. We're not doing anybody any favors here by, by keeping them around. We're not going to contend, really contend for any sort of championship. We're probably never going to make the playoffs with this bunch. Accrue draft capital. And and get punched in the mouth really hard next year, and then hope for the best moving forward. I don't see what we get by keeping Matt around. And I know there's an article that came out with uh, Chris Mortensen said that the Falcons are wanting to keep Matt Ryan next year. And they were impressed about what, what he did without any, you know, real receivers and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, it's true. But where does that, you know, where does that put us as a franchise? His, 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 uh, his contract is an, is an albatross around our neck right now. But no
1: no one else is going to take that contract. I think
0: someone could. And the thing is, you should explore those talks as much as you possibly can. Try to trade them after the June 1st um, thing, or whatever the deadline is, so that it doesn't have such a big cap hit, and see what you can get for them. Um, And, yeah, you will have to eat some stuff. There will be also a dead cap hit, and it will suck. But it will be better in the long term, because then you'll be out from under all that shit the next year. So it's like... Let's just move on, man. Tear, get rid of anyone who was... Get rid of Jake Matthews, too. I'm, I'm tired of his ass. He gives up too much pressure. He's ever paid. He never turned into the really true, like, all-pro tackle that we wanted him to. The only guy that's really worth a shit on that line is Lindstrom. Didn't give up a sack all season. Was pretty consistent on his side. Um, he was the only guy, really. Gotta
1: say, Dimitrov actually had a couple hits in his last couple years yeah, drafting. Lindstrom, Lindstrom, Lindstrom and Terrell back-to-back. Very good. Come on. Yeah. No, it's, it's good. Like, Terrell is legit. Yeah. Like, the best corner in the league.
0: Yeah. No one wants to, I mean, the way he contains people, I and mean, you watch. I mean, it was cool. One thing I will say about going to games, it is cool how you can focus in on the things the TV can't see, especially if you have decent seats. Um, and every time Terrell is, is on somebody, even when he gives up, you know, gives up a catch, he's right on the receiver. He very rarely ever gets burned. Um, he, he's a, he just covers so well. Uh, his intangibles are phenomenal. Another pass defended for him along with six tackles in that game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is, this is it for this team. And Arthur Smith also said to sort of counteract that Chris Mortensen article, he's like, everybody knows how I feel about Matt, but you know, we're not going to tell you what we're doing um, with his his contract in the offseason. Matt also said he wanted to come back. I hope for Matt's sake we trade him just so he can go to contender and try to win the Super Bowl in his last few years. Um, just just for hit I mean, like, he took so many hits this year. Hit, like, 135 times or something, most in the league. Disgusting. Sacked 40 times again for the fourth straight season. I don't know how this guy is still able to get up and even throw a football. Say what you will about him. He's a tough son of a bitch. Well,
1: yeah, making all that money helps as well. Yeah, but you. but a lot of people – It is ridiculous he's never been injured. Like, he's missed what,
0: like one game? I think he's missed, like – Three games in fifteen years. I remember
1: Shawby started a game a couple years ago, threw for like five hundred yards. We still lost. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: But yeah, no, he's 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 as tough as they come. You look at guys who are sort of in his age bracket, like Roethlisberger, completely breaking down. I know Roethlisberger's a little older, but it's like Matt Ryan is still is is incredibly durable. And um, we talked about this, I think on Monday, but talking about could we have made the playoffs potentially? If Calvin Ridley was part of this unit.
1: Yeah, I think we definitely would have made the playoffs. There's the game against the Panthers that was an atrocious loss at home. And he had dropped out of that game like a couple hours beforehand. So all week they're planning on playing with him. And then last minute he's out. And that was a super low scoring affair. Another brutal game to watch and just like one we should have won. So that's one. And then... The What was the other one, Graham? Um, uh, the Washington football team game. The Washington football team game. That was the worst loss as yep. well. Yep. That was more of a Dan Quinn-esque, we were up yeah. in that game.
0: Don't really blame not having Ridley for that one, but who knows? Maybe we would have been up more if Calvin was on the field. Yeah. Um, Could have beaten the Bills. Who knows? It's. I mean, we were beating the Bills. I mean, I will say this. Even though we didn't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback, the Falcons somehow had 12 or 12 games in a row where they had at least one takeaway which i think is a modern day nfl record or something like that i mean there's more to be proud of for the defense this year than there's the offense for sure even though they still it was like 17 sacks but 12 12 consecutive games with a takeaway they also didn't give up a a, a single play that went over 4 that, that went 40 yards or more which no one else did in the rest of the league so it's like there were some good things which that is, happened this year. It's
1: really opposite of what we thought as well. Like going into the season, it's like you look at all these weapons we have in the offense. That like yeah, it was, like was Ridley and Pitts. Yeah, we thought it was Mike be the Davis offense carrying. Yeah, the defense and the defense was. I mean, the defense was really thrown together. Like signed a bunch of veterans on one year deals and a lot of rookies, and they yeah. came together. So, mm-hmm. and Dean Pease is coming back next year. Dean Pease is coming back next year. That's I'm interest- good news.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see. One thing that was interesting about his approach, and I don't know. It was like he seemed more blitz happy earlier in the season and didn't send as much pressure as the season went on. But the defense almost got better when he did that. So, I mean, whatever, man. He knows a hell of a lot more about um, defense than we do. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how he works uh, with our young guys and uh, moving forward. And hopefully he can be here for a couple years um, because we're not doing shit again next year, I don't think. So I hope um, either he's grooming someone to take over when he retires or he can – you know, he's like, I'm putting my foot down. I'm here for three four years. Let's try to build this up to be a championship program here. Because I think he's been a valuable addition to the coaching staff.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't think that he'd want to come somewhere for just like a year or two at the end of his career. No,
0: I think if you're going to do it, you're going to try to make a run. It's like, let's win this thing. It might take four or five years. Let's do it right. or, or, or die trying kind of thing. And he loves Arthur Smith. I mean, that's the reason he came back out of retirement. He, he loved working with him in Tennessee, um, sees the value that he provides. And uh, I, I see it, too. I mean, I think if nothing else, just as a motivator of men, um, he, he's he got it working. And um, hopefully with better offensive pieces moving forward, we'll, we'll see better results from the offense whenever that happens. Who knows if that's next year or the year after.
1: But, yeah, year two is uh, where you start to – Judge them a little bit more, both Fontenot and Smith, and see what they can put together. Particularly See Fontenot. what their vision is. Because, like, yeah, now we'll see what's he going to do with these veterans. He's right. seen them play. You going to hold on to these guys, mm-hmm. still kind of walk the tightrope.
0: Yeah. Or, or dig uh, the hole deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Or or move on, rip the Band-Aid off.
1: So much potential draft capital, man. Yeah.
0: And that's the other thing, too. If you trade these guys, like we been talking about, you get more draft capital than Fontenot, and you'll see what kind of GM Fontenot really is from a – Drafting standpoint because the, the jury, I mean, and the jury will still be out in Fontenot for a few years, I feel like, but we'll have a better idea, especially if he has more opportunities to pick. Because the more opportunities you have, the more you can hit on. You're not going to hit on everything, but the more you can hit on if you get those more more opportunities. So, really looking forward to seeing that. Um, the offseason should be exciting.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a lockout, so we can actually talk about, <laughs> we can actually talk about that. That's exciting. Yeah, we talk about free agency. We signed the Combine.
0: Yeah, Combine uh and whatever else the We're draft. officially
1: picking at what? 8? I think 8. I eight. think 8
0: is the position. So,
1: so. It, it's really good, Grant. Like if we had won that game against the Saints, we're picking like 12, 13, something like that. Yeah. So for us to lose and then the Saints to still not get in the playoffs, that's it works out. At the end of the day, that's ideal.
0: It works out. Um but yeah, I think that's our, our Falcons report for this week. And um you yeah, know, look forward to the off season. We got the playoffs coming up. Which, uh, I don't know, I'm really excited about the playoffs this year. Just to touch on NFL as a whole for a second. Um, I initially didn't like the idea of this extended wild card because I was like, well, it cheapens the, um, cheapens the sport or whatever. But now I'm like, well, now we get just a shit ton of football this weekend. We get two games Saturday, three games Sunday, and a Monday night game. I mean, that's hog heaven right there. And most of the matchups outside of like Tampa Bay, Philly, which Tampa Bay is going to absolutely destroy them, are pretty exciting. You got, you know, Buffalo versus New England division rivals. You got Dallas versus San Francisco, which I think is low-key going to be the best game of the weekend. Um, So it's going to be fun. I think the NFL did a good job here. And also kept everybody really involved more so in the season because there was so much parity in the NFL this year. There's the extended game, and people were jockeying for playoff position until the final week. Hell, we were still in the playoff talk, even though it was a long shot, until the penultimate week of the season. It was cool.
1: Yeah, so there's only this year. The difference is there's only there's only the number one seed got a bye, correct? Right. It used to be one and two. Yes. In each conference. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Don't sleep on Philly against oh, yeah. the damn Bucks. I don't believe in the Bucks.
0: You don't believe in the Bucks. They got a lot
1: of issues right now.
0: I agree with the Antonio Brown thing, but I think um, I just don't think offensively they can Philly can run with 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 Tampa Bay. I mean, they but just,
1: they just barely beat the what the Jets.
0: Right. Sure. But it was the yeah. last game of the season. Look at Yeah. I think uh, it'll be interesting to because apparently that game's going to be 30-mile-per-hour wins. It's going to be raining like batshit insane. So something funky could happen Good for sure. It's time
1: to have a running quarterback like Jalen Hurts.
0: Yeah. And we'll see how healthy he is. Um, I'm looking forward to the Vegas-Cincinnati game as well. That uh, Raiders-Chargers game was really exciting on Sunday night. Um, probably the best damn game of the whole season almost ended in a tie it's like 36, 33, or 34 whatever it was um, Joe Burrow's been awesome the NFL I don't know what it is this year but I've been much more into it as a whole than I usually am um, probably
1: all the gambling you're doing
0: the gambling helps uh, especially when you're winning I'm on a decent streak right now but also just I don't know the, the, the it's just been fun I don't know I, I've just had a good time watching other games more so than I usually do and I'm, I, I can't quantify it Um. But it's like it's like this mixture of like these old guys like you know Aaron Rodgers even though I think he's a trash human is playing really well. Then you got guys like Joe Burrow carrying Cincinnati, um, you know, young guy. Um, you got unexpected success stories like um, you know Philly this year getting to the playoffs with that Sirianni guy who we thought was a complete joke when he was introduced as the coach. You remember we talked back with our, our good friend uh, Daniel Loopy at the beginning of the season the eagles corresponded the oh, big skin yeah. podcast <laughs> network and you know uh expectations were modest and, and maybe they won't you know go far in the playoffs but they made it um there's just a, n- a number of different stories like that you know the 49ers overcoming all these injuries they've had all season getting into the playoffs um roethlisberger who i also despise but he is you know great quarterback who's making his you know probably his farewell tour gets back to the playoffs um you know, he's got the dynamic Patrick Mahomes. You got Tom Brady, of course, still performing like he's fucking 25 years old. There's just so many different storylines and cool things to talk about. You got Belichick getting back to the playoffs without Tom Brady for the first time, facing the new beast of the East, the uh, Buffalo Bills. I don't know. It's just, there's so many things. Every game you're like, oh, man, there's so many storylines and cool things to talk about.
1: I had no idea you could be so passionate about non Atlanta professional sports, Graham. Yeah. I don't know. I've really got an NFL this year. It's got to be the gambling. It is pretty crazy how it came yeah. down to that that one game where it's like if they both tie, yeah, they're both in, yeah, right. and then
0: it goes to overtime, and there's right. a chance for the and die. there was like two minutes left before that. Oh no, it was like a last second kick. Yeah, yeah, it was like two seconds. Excuse me. That's drama. That's great. There was stuff like that all across the NFL this year.
1: It like it seems scripted.
0: Yeah, it did. Or like how the Ravens unfortunately collapsed, you know, eight and three, and they lose their last six games, and they lost
1: almost. <laughs> did no, they really? Yeah, lose they six lost. In a row. They
0: lost five of those six games by like one to four points. I feel
1: like that should be a bigger storyline.
0: Yeah, it's not talked about that much, but they like imagine if Atlanta did that. Right, we'd be the biggest choke artist in the world. Now they had a bunch of injuries and COVID stuff, but it was like, but they were almost. They could have easily won all those games too. That was the crazy part. With the exception when they got blown up by the Bengals. It was like every game they lost was like one, two, three points. It was, it was insane. It's like, how many times can this keep happening? Unreal.
1: That's wild, man. Yeah.
0: But NFL uh, playoffs this weekend, and it might be a good time to segue into a uh, word from our friends from DraftKings. has a really big offer for you guys uh, this weekend, courtesy of DraftKings and our podcast network, the Pigskin Pig Podcast Network.
1: The NFL playoffs are here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. So guys, if Sportsbook isn't available in your
0: state yet, you can still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. You can join me and play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. DraftKings has every sport you could possibly imagine. NFL, NBA, college basketball, League of Legends, PGA, whatever's your bag. It's happening on DraftKings, and if you want to get on the action, this is a great opportunity to do just that.
1: So here's what you need to do. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. How about we talk a little Atlanta Braves? I think that sounds
0: like a breath of fresh air.
1: So here's what I got for you this week, Graham. On the first edition of... What did they say in the Los Angeles Times? This newspaper I'm holding... Yes, Graham? Do you have uh, something to add? Uh, oh, I was
0: just confused by the way you worded that. What did they say in the Los Angeles Times?
1: Yeah, what's confusing about I
0: don't that? know. It was just, in this, you said in this first edition of what did they say in the Los Angeles Times. I get it now. Yeah. In the moment, it threw me.
1: This, yeah, not the first edition of the paper. The right, The first edition yeah. of the second, Understood, yeah. Which is called, What Did They Say in the Los Angeles Times? Got it. So this newspaper I'm holding, Graham, it's dated Sunday, October 17th, 2021. What an exciting time it was! It's the day after Game One of the playoffs, a game in which, as I read across the top here, the Atlanta Braves beat the Los Angeles Dodgers three to two to take a one nothing lead in the NLCS. Graham, what a game! Winning pitcher Will Smith, losing pitcher uh, Blake Training. Yep, Blake, Blake, Blake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, at this point, Game Two is scheduled at Atlanta. Today at 4:30 p.m. What an odd
0: freaking place to live when <laughs> sports happen like that. Yeah, I don't yeah,
1: know. yeah. So that that was going to be on TVS. Yeah. So I'm just going to start this article. It's called "The Rundown Feeling," written by your boy Bill Plash. Oh
0: Jesus! Here we go.
1: This subject line, or maybe this is, no byline is byline is the name, right? I don't know. So there's. <laughs> i worked in journalism at one point we need to bring it do we have a well intern jared should be able to cover this i
0: thought the byline right. was a little thing under the headline
1: because we got yeah we got the headline because it we might be that. headline
0: and then a little thing but then there's a smaller thing yeah descriptor that's but the byline then, i, I'm I pretty think your
1: sure byline is the name of that yeah no no, no.
0: oh of, of someone's name Who's who writes writing. the article yeah okay
1: well next week we'll have the answer okay <laughs> yeah difficult <laughs> <laughs> questions so
0: it's been a very confusing segment so far for me at least <laughs> <laughs>
1: either his either his byline or his secondary subject line says taylor's blunder on base paths leaves dodgers out in the cold
0: Ooh. oh yeah he made a big base right that now that? Yeah. yeah yeah
1: so the image epitomized an opportunity fumbled a chance lost a game blown chris taylor sitting on the dirt between second and third base helmet in hand head shaking frozen in failure Yeah, folks, the Dodgers really messed this one up, folks. Double folks.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, he said that, not me. Oh, I was about to say, I was like, that was poorly read. I guess it was just poorly written. I'll
1: reread that. (laughs) Yeah, folks, the Dodgers really messed this one up, folks. (laughs) Masterful. Masterful Bill Plaschke. Bill Plaschke just staring at me in this stupid, yeah, well, what's the picture called? Below the byline. Oh. Do you know that one either? No, picture of his face. Okay, we'll look, we'll look that up.
0: Too. We're as good at knowing about that as he is at writing.
1: <laughs> in what should have been yet another strong step in their seemingly preordained journey back to the World Series. Such on entitlement. Saturday. Such entitlement. <laughs> God, he pisses me off. The Dodgers staggered, stumbled, and ended up on their backs while staring up at someone else's party. Good alliteration, though. That was okay. Saturday staggered, stumbled, staring.
0: No. Oh. You so can turn that into a haiku.
1: The opener of the National League Championship Series featured a trademark Dodgers playoff game-winning hit, but this time the bat was swung by the Atlanta Braves' Austin Riley, who singled home Ozzie Albies from second base with one out of the ninth to give the Braves a 3-2 victory at Truist Park.
0: I think that was the happiest I was, I think, in the entire series because I, I knew when we, did, we got that, I was like, we can actually win this thing. And we were both drunk as all hell. It was 4 in the morning. Cause remember, we went to the Old Crow show, oh, yeah, we watched- and we taped it knew nothing pretty much and watched it and we didn't go to sleep till about four thirty that night.
1: Yeah that was wild. Yeah. This time it was somebody else pointing to the sky, someone else throwing off a helmet, someone else running out of the dugout and dancing in an infield mosh pit. That was our Braves that was uh, Yes it was. This time it was the Dodgers who disappeared into a night filled with more questions than and Please see. I've got to go to D7. <laughs> D7. Like when your offense collects 10 hits, when your pitching staff records 14 strikeouts, when you whiff the great Freddie Freeman four times. That was crazy.
0: When you thought Freddie Freeman was broken.
1: I did. When you mostly dead in a hostile crowd. Oh, look at him calling it hostile. Oh, move. very good. If I recall, he did... He thought it was cookie-cutter? Yeah, cookie-cutter losers. Now we're hostile. Okay. And have the potential winning run, rounding second, in the top of the ninth. How do you not win? Is his question, Graham.
0: When it's preordained, you should.
1: Anybody can win on any given day. It doesn't matter what the odds say, what the numbers are. You've got to play the game, said the Dodgers straight-turner. I'm a big believer that anything can happen. That's fair. I don't think I'm going to read this whole article, Graham.
0: Yeah. But... Read the last paragraph.
1: I did want to point out, so they're talking about Chris Taylor and his base running blunder. Where it was the ninth inning, Mm -hmm. Will Smith walked him, I believe, with two outs. Yes. And then there was a hit to Jock Peterson in right field. Right. Chris Taylor was rounding second. Yes. And he goes too far and puts the brakes on. Too late. And goes back to second and Jock threw it to second. Right. So this was the big base blunder and his teammates were just stunned. They were suddenly surrounded in frustration. They were quickly enveloped in that stinking racist tomahawk chop. Oh, that was bad, and it was about to get worse. Oh. The last couple paragraphs for you, Graham. The good news for Dodgers fans is because the opener was a bullpen game necessitated by the loss of Clayton Kershaw, Ace Max Scherzer will be starting in Sunday's game, too. That's the good news. The bad news is Scherzer will be working on two days rest. With dead arm. (laughs) After throwing 13 pitches of relief at Thursday's division clincher. They didn't know that he had dead arm at this point, I don't think. And he would not have much bullpen help as the Dodgers used eight relievers on a Saturday night that was great until it wasn't. We're just trying to navigate this as best as possible, says Scherzer. Time for course correction and quick. Mm. So I look forward over the next few weeks to reading to figure out if the Dodgers were able to make that course correction and come back in this series, which at this point in time, Graham, they're down one nothing.
0: Yeah, and you, you know it's preordained. So it, it, when somebody's preordained, it's
1: bound to happen. And that stinking racist chop, there's no way that they're going to let those racist Atlanta fans get away with it. No. No. So
0: the the, the, the righteousness of the $260 million payroll will prevail.
1: I agree. You know, every every great team loses a game every now and then. Yeah. But I'm sure they're gonna come back and sweep this series. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, if they don't win well, we know they're at least gonna win the next game and then win the next three and uh yeah, yeah, no, they'll they'll win this game and win the next three in Los Angeles. The Braves haven't won in Los Angeles since God, I don't even know. I think they last sixteen times or something like that. So it's preordained, Adam. Yeah, it's preordained. They- this is just a fleeting moment for those, those racist assholes in Atlanta.
1: They don't stand a chance. So thank you, Bill Plashke, for that great article. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And um, that's... Uh, what did you call it? What's the segment called?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what did the Los Angeles Times say? Yes. That's what it is. We've got
0: to read Dylan Hernandez next time as well.
1: I read his article. Bill Plashke's was, was more better entertaining. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. So... We'll uh,
0: we'll switch it. Okay, good 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 research though. I'd rather rather hear the uh, hear the better article.
1: Yep, yep, yep. yeah.
0: Uh, you know what's interesting, Adam? I was thinking about it in all seriousness when you're reading that story. How you know we always talked about if we win a championship in any of the sports, like the, the sports that we care about. No disrespect to United, we don't really care about them, um, but that we would be happier. With the other sports, and you know, it'd be okay if like the other teams didn't do as well. Not true at all. Yeah, I feel not. just as surly, just as pissed off. <laughs> this championship has not softened me. One iota. One iota. I'm very grateful for it. I love it. Um, it's probably the best sports moment in my life overall, this this playoff run by the Braves. But I am not soft. My belly might be soft, but my metal is not. You want more. I want more, and we should demand more. We should be a a, a a city of champions. And Georgia held up their end, good for them. United's won a championship, good for them. And now the Braves have done it. Um, I know that's out of order. But these other teams need to get there, Adam.
1: Well, we've got two teams that have never won a championship still, Grant. Yeah. And I think until... That's the, new, that's the next barrier. Yeah. We need all of our teams. All of our champions. teams, yeah. And then we'll be satisfied. Yes. Until then... It's still angry, surly, um, depressed, depressed, frustrated, and vulgar. Not fun to hang around. Atlanta sports fan. No, that's what we're going to be.
0: Yeah, especially when it's January and cold.
1: The, the Braves did what they're supposed to do.
0: Yes, finally.
1: Yes. What they could have done many other times. Indeed. Let's not appreciate it anymore. No, let's be mad about it. We
0: got to be mad about it. We want more that it didn't happen. Earlier. It, yes, and no one remembers the one-off. They remember the dynasty. They remember yeah. the, the, 96, the 96 through 2000 Yankees. They remember the Giants winning three championships in a decade in the that's 2010s.
1: Nice. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Those are the teams that get remembered. No one gives a shit about the Marlins winning in 2003.
1: This, this does take a complete like 360 from the stance we took last week about appreciate this forever. We will appreciate it forever. But now we're saying it's not enough.
0: But you can't just fall back on that and yeah. say, fuck it. You can't do that.
1: I think Tom Brady ever said that?
0: No. That's why he won seven goddamn yeah. Super Bowls. Yeah,
1: yeah. You're right, Graham. You're right. Yeah. The city needs more. It deserves more. It deserves more. Let's go get more.
0: Amen. Now let's talk about the Hawks, who are nowhere close to getting more at this time. Um, Hawks are bad. We know this. It's the same story that we've been telling the last month. Um, they're 17-22 outside the playoff picture. So with, with these Hawks now having been swept in Los Angeles by both the Lakers and Clippers, we now turn our attention to Miami tonight. Um, it's still more of the same, man. I don't know what else to say about this team. I know they played better. I didn't see the game on Sunday because it was the Falcons game, but I know they played better defensively against uh, the Clippers. The offense kind of let them down a little bit. That's what I hear. I think, um, I think change is going to come. Whether you want it to or not, I imagine if you're a Hawks fan, you'd want change to come, given how this team has played. Um, John Collins, in this interview, is saying that he's used to these trade rumors. The same thing was happening to him last season around this time and beyond. Um, He's just really not trying to think about it. He says he's not bringing it into the gym, and that he's trying to be even keel. Um, He says that losing is wearing on him, though, as we mentioned at the top of the article. Um, You know, he's saying everything's harder. He's like, uh, meals taste worse. Going to sleep is harder. Everything sucks when you lose. Like, things are not good, but I'm, I'm staying even keel. I believe we can we can make it happen. We can uh, do the things we need to do to right the ship. Um, and that he loves the city of Atlanta, and he pledges allegiance to Atlanta. I, I, I love how loyal he is to Atlanta. I, I, I love John Collins. Um, but I think not only does change need to happen um, within – you know the personnel, but I think more usage is required for John Collins, shooting 43% from three-point range, 63 true shooting percentage, um, and yet his usage rate is the lowest it has been since his rookie season, which makes no sense. Um, it seems like, especially this year and parts of last year, we don't, it doesn't seem like we have like really like John has said, you know, he's not he's not doesn't really have any plays called for him right? But it doesn't seem like plays are really called for anybody when I watch Hawks games. It seems like Trey has the ball, Trey makes a pick and roll happen, Trey drives to the hole and or kicks it out, or Trey does a floater, or Trey takes a three-pointer. Everything revolves around Trey, and Trey should be the one that drives the engine. However, I feel like we could get more out of this team if we pass the ball more and set up guys to succeed. And John mentions this in this article. He's like, I'm not sitting here bitching about not getting the ball for like an arbitrary you know just selfishly i'm doing that because i think i can contribute more and make the team better and i think that goes for everybody but i especially think with john i think he's your he's arguably your second best offensive player consistently why not get him involved more
1: yeah he, he needs to be a guy that you see just take over the game and that just doesn't happen at all yeah this year anyways i know last year was like that was when it was the first a big story about him not having any set plays run for him and Seems like he was getting his irregardless a little more last year, and we we haven't really seen it this year. Yeah, but
0: his usage rate was down last year, but it wasn't this bad. It's like damn near 17% this year. It's just a little bit over that, which is what it was during his rookie season. Yeah. So something is happening, and it's not good in relation to John Collins' offensive usage within this team. And he's – I mean, shooting 43% from three-point range is incredibly difficult to do. He's still having a good season. so you know, close to twenty points. I think he's got close to ten boards a game. Um it's just he's gotta be used more. Um we know what it needs to happen and but but the thing that's crazy too is that and they mentioned this in this this article is that the offense is like a top five offense in the NBA. So even though John isn't getting as many much many touches, the offense is still scoring enough and doing enough to win games. It really does come down to how bad the defense is. Um so I don't really know what the hell to say Adam.
1: Yeah, and when we saw it and you and I were kind of texting back and forth during the Lakers game on Friday, it was just the transition D. It's pathetic. It's just brutal. It's like any miss, the Lakers had like four guys running back against our one. Easy layup. Right, or it was
0: four guys get back, stand there, watch Malik Monk or LeBron or whoever just drive to the hole and score. No one helps. Everyone stands there. I don't understand that. It's it's like it's like a bad habit that you just can't get out of. It seems like there's a precedent or something of just not doing that, and they don't know how to break out of it. They talk about needing to do it, they just but when it comes to execution, they can't do it. And that comes down to coaching, to me. I mean, some of it's on the, a lot of it's on the players too. But it's like you literally got to do something to try and figure that out. And they keep saying they need to, and you don't see any results. Here's the positive spin.
1: Uh, we had had all uh, the roster was decimated with covid that's pretty much done with now yeah and then once we started getting healthy bodies back then Nate McMillan was gone right and whoever the hell that guy was it's funny how it, like assistant coaches in basketball like in baseball you know your first base coach you know your third base coach you know your pitching coach you know your hitting coach uh nfl coordinators are a big thing oh, yeah but basketball is just like
0: like, I could, who the hell is that guy? Yeah, yeah.
1: I could t- only one I could tell you is uh, what Becky Becky Hammond? Yeah, although now she's with the WNBA, right? Like that's the only yeah. And I could tell you Nate McMillan when he was our assistant coach last year, right? But it was only because oh this guy should be our head coach, right? It's just very rare that you know an assistant coach, which yeah. is just kind of strange. It is in basketball, but anyways. So now that we got the players back. We got McMillan back. Maybe things will be better?
0: I don't know. I, I got to see it to believe it because, like we talked about, this effort has been like this all season, even before COVID. So, I, and, and people were healthy. You know, We were still 27th in the league in terms of uh, – or 27th worst in the league in terms of uh, defense, overall defense, when, even when DeAndre Hunter was still healthy and everyone else was pretty much healthy at that point. So show me. Show me that you can improve. I uh,
1: tell you I tell you what, the one takeaway I had from watching that Clippers game was so Capella was out. And I'm not saying there's any world that we're better without Capella, but I like Takangu starting. Because Capella's been pissing me off recently mm-hmm. with his inability to finish at the rim. Oh yeah, that Lakers game. All, unless it's a dunk or something.
0: All he's great. But he had the opportunity a couple times in that Lakers game. He's backing someone down the post and he just throws the ball up. It's like get Or there was another time he got the ball in the post. He wasn't backing one down. He had an open, you know, he could just dunk it. And he just tried to lay it up and missed it. Yeah, it's very frustrating. That's frustrating.
1: And then his inability to shoot free throws is frustrating. He just bricks every single time. Watching Okongwu start that game, the defensive energy was, it's there more with Okongwu on the court, I think. And he's a really good free throw shooter. And like having that from your center, it's it's nice to see. Yeah. So like, I feel like against the Lakers, there were a lot of, times where we were trying to gain some momentum and then Capella would go to the free throw line. He had an air ball in there. It's just like, it kills momentum. Yeah, sure. So being able to knock down those free throws, it just like helps you at least sustain a comeback. Right. Because they're going to run back and transition and hit a wide open three. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was the frustrating thing about that Lakers game. It was like, we got down big early. We we go on a run. Then we get within five points and they go on a run. Then we get within five points again. Then they, push it back to 15. We've seen that a few times this year. Um against multiple teams. But, you know, it just keeps happening. It's just the same shit it keeps happening, man. So, until the Hawks prove it to me even when they get everybody back, I'm I'm kind of a disbeliever in this this group right now from top to bottom, which I never thought I'd say this year.
1: Yeah, that's the toughest thing with like the John Collins quote about losing and how much it hurts. It hurts even more when expectations are so high.
0: Oh, yeah. And he was mentioning that too. It's like you know, he says, uh, this is quoting John Collins I feel like the only thing that is necessarily different from last year is having the achievement of some sort of success. Sometimes having success make th- makes things difficult going forward. He also went on to talk about how everybody's game planning for the Hawks. No one sleeps on them, no one overlooks them. Everyone is coming for them. Even teams that, you know, even like teams like the Suns, who, you know, went to the NBA finals last year, they're not overlooking them. Even the teams that went farther than them aren't overlooking them. Like, they know that that we were, at least last season, legit, and we're not ready to take that. I think this is a big emotional learning point for a lot of guys that we are counting on to be members of this core, like Trey Young, like John Collins, Kevin Herter, um, in terms of the emotional growth, emotional maturation is hopefully happening right now to the point where they can find that resolve. But yeah, I mean, nothing makes you softer than success.
1: Well, you also just assume, Sometimes. You, you assume it's like a rebuild. It's just like a natural, steady progression. Like the Braves are the perfect example of that. 20, 2017, well, 2016, they were terrible. Yeah. 2017, they were like kind of hanging around at the All-Star break. Yeah. Freddie Freeman's playing third base. Right. We're like watching competitive baseball again. 2018, we win the division. No. Yeah. I think We won like 90 games that year, something like that. That's the Ronald Cunha year with yeah. the home run, right? Uh, we're getting excited, but we know we're not going anywhere, yeah. 2019 when the
0: when more games, Oh, this,
1: yeah, we, regular season better. This was the damn Cardinals year, right? Cardinals year, yeah. Uh, still losing
0: vision series, but you still feel like they were better than the team like, from 2018. We're
1: like, yeah, we're still like, okay, we're, we're not there yet, yeah. Next year, 2020, we pop real hard, yeah, in the short, shortened season. Almost make it to the World Series. Yeah. It's like, damn. Yeah. We're so close. Yeah. And then next year, son of a bitch, somehow you come back and win the World Series. Right. So that's kind of the progression that you would think you're about to get out of the Hawks. Yeah. After although that was keep in mind that was a quick jump. With the Braves, that's steady. That's four four
0: years. Yeah. The Hawks was like suck, 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 still suck for most of the last season and then turn it on in February. Hol-
1: holy shit, are we gonna somehow make it to the finals? Right. So we need to temper expectations.
0: Yeah, maybe we all got, including the team and the fan base, got a little too excited by what what happened. Travis Schlink as well, probably.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's put together a great product. I still think we can turn it around, but we're not supposed to be NBA Finals contenders no, it's right not, now. No, it's
0: not given to you. It's not like Bill Plasky where it's preordained. I think that's how kind of how we all approach the beginning of the season. Because of how well we did last year, it's preordained. We have to at least get back to where we got to last season. Um, you know, it, it just has to happen.
1: So let's get a little let's get a little something going, Graham. Let's get some momentum Perspective. building. Like oh, yeah, yeah, let's you know get like a two and three week or something like that.
0: That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Um yeah, we'll see how we play against Miami tonight. And so we'll just go from there. I think it's just gonna be a case by case basis. Is there any news on when DeAndre Hunter is supposed to return? Tonight. Tonight is his return. Okay. Interesting. So we'll see what happens with DeAndre tonight. That'll that'll be big. And, um, yeah, I think that is our Hawks segment. I don't really have much else to say unless you do, Adam.
1: Let's see here, Graham. We've covered your Atlanta Falcons. Yep. Your Atlanta Braves. Yep. Your Atlanta Hawks.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: You mentioned your Atlanta United. Yes. I'm good.
0: Yeah, we crossed all the – all the marks off the box, however you want to word it.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I look forward to seeing what the Braves, checked off the boxes. I look forward to seeing what the Braves do in Game Two uh, next week on this yeah podcast. Yeah,
0: it's, it's, I'm, ha- I'm hanging on, uh, hanging on every word from the beautifully written L.A. Times staff. All right, folks, we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. We hope you are staying safe and doing well out there, uh, and we will see you next week. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitomacip.
1: Hospitomacip.